What happens to the hellbender happens to us. This is the backside of the herpetarium, and this is where the herpetology department is based out of, including our hellbender conservation center. We have led the way in hellbender conservation and hellbender propagation here at the zoo. Again, we, we literally wrote the book on hellbender husbandry and hell, hellbender care. And this is the, the largest program like this in existence. We currently have a few thousand hellbenders that we're rearing here. Since we began, a few other institutions have begun working with hellbenders across the United States, which is great. So now there's, there's programs in Tennessee and Kentucky and in Indiana but it started here and we, we work really closely with a lot of our, our colleagues in other states who are caring for and, and attempting to breed hellbenders, but it started here and, and we've, we've gotten really, really good at it. Hey there, and welcome back to Nature Boost. I'm Jill Pritchard with the Missouri Department of Conservation. Last month, we learned about the official endangered species of Missouri, the hellbender. This unique salamander has had quite the struggle surviving a myriad of hardships, but thankfully, a special partnership between MDC, the St. Louis Zoo, and other agencies has given the hellbender a new chance to thrive. There's a lot of different things that are impacting hellbenders. First of all, they occur in very specialized habitats. They're, they're only living in fast-flowing, cool water streams that are heavily oxygenated with, with these big, heavy, flat rocks that they can use for nesting as well as hiding. So they have a very specialized natural history. So if there's any one little thing that's wrong, it's going to impact their populations negatively. And that's exactly what's happening here is there's a variety of different things caused by people that have been occurring, um, siltation of waterways, over-collection historically, pollution and runoff into rivers. We don't necessarily have a, a one silver bullet kind of that is leading to their decline that we can immediately stop. So it's important for us through this this propagation and head starting and repatriation back into the wild to kind of be ahead of the curve while we figure out exactly what it is that needs to be done in the wild. And, and realistically, it's many things that need to be done. So rather than, than, than sit back and, and let the species go extinct by doing the propagation and, and the releases we hope to buy the animal time while we best figure out how to mitigate a lot of these problems. That's Justin Eldon, the curator of herpetology and aquatics at the St. Louis Zoo and the director of the St. Louis Zoo Wild Care Institute, Ron and Karen Gellner Center for Hellbender Conservation. 2003, both the Ozark and Eastern Hellbender were listed as endangered in the state of Missouri. In 2006, the Ron Gellner Center for Hellbender Conservation was formally established at the St. Louis Zoo. The center is the conservation program for hellbenders that's based out of the zoo's herpetarium, but is part of the zoo's conservation branch, which is known as the Wild Care Institute. Our former director of animal care here at the zoo, Ron Gellner, he was a huge advocate for Ozark Hellbenders, and he, he really wanted to ensure that we were doing something to help these animals. So the partnerships were founded with the Missouri Department of Conservation to, to make sure that we were doing something for these animals. This was perfect timing because in 2007, 
it was estimated that there were only around 500 wild Ozark Hellbenders left in Missouri. And that's not a great number, right? That it's, it's hard to be optimistic about the, the fate of a species when we know there's only 500 of these adults left out there. In 2011, Ozark Hellbenders were federally listed as an endangered species. And that's when U.S. Fish and Wildlife got more involved as well, too, which is great. We had been working with the Missouri Department of Conservation exclusively on this program from from this point. So having U.S. Fish and Wildlife be be collaborating to an extent is also really, really great. And then in 2021, the Missouri Eastern Hellbender was federally listed as well. We had already had the Ozarks listed, but now we have just the eastern hellbenders that occur in Missouri listed as well. In 2022, we had we renamed the center to the Wild Care Institute Ron and Karen Gellner Center for Hellbender Conservation. And this was to better demonstrate not only Ron Gellner, who was such a giant advocate for hellbender conservation, but also to highlight his wife, Karen, who had passed away by this point and continued in his legacy to champion for these animals, for them here at the zoo as well as in the wild. If you listen to January's episode with herpetologist Jeff Brigler, you'll recall just how important water quality is for hellbenders to thrive. They're often an indicator of healthy streams because they require clean, cool water to survive. This special habitat was critical for creating an environment to raise hellbender eggs and breed them at the zoo. Our water parameters that we have here, we attempt to match what they're living in the wild. And we take a lot of effort to do so. We're doing quite a bit of water quality testing on a daily basis. We're doing lots of water changes and we're, we're documenting all of this so that way we can keep track of it. And it comes from a dedicated team of, of four zookeepers here at the zoo who exclusively work with hellbenders. And Often when you think of a zookeeper, you're thinking of the, the person in khakis with the radio with a bucket full of food. And that, that's very well an important part of a, a zookeeper's job. But for hellbenders in particular, not only are you taking care of the animals, but you're taking care of the, the water they live in because the two are so closely intertwined. We try to replicate a natural river as closely as possible when it comes to what food we give the animals, the hiding opportunities the animals have. And again, back to the, the water quality and the parameters, like that's completely taken from the, the wild, right? It's really amazing when it, when it comes to a lot of these conservation programs, nature is, has, has given us the blueprints. Nature has shown us what to do with these animals. We just need to listen and, and kind of replicate that as best as we can. We, we we often say here that we've literally wrote the book on hellbender care and hellbender reproduction because we had to learn from scratch. We, ha we had to learn how to do it here on site because it had never been done before. And to the greatest extent, as far as the technical side of things and the technical and technological side of things, that's absolutely true. But nature was the first, <laughs> the, the first to do this. We just, we, we listened to nature and, and replicated it here. But that said, it takes a village to do this. We have an entire team of zookeepers who are dedicated to the care and conservation of hellbenders, and they work 40 hours a week only taking care of hellbenders. And it's because of them that this program has been so massively successful. And it's because of them that the hellbender is, the Ozark hellbender in particular, and the Missouri Eastern hellbender isn't going to go extinct within our lifetime. 
but also we, we have veterinary staff here on zoo site who are always here for us. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, five till five and <laughs> they're, they're getting ready to leave for the day. If I call with a health concern about an animal, they run down, they are here for us all the time. We're insanely grateful for them. And we also have a life system support team, the exact same as our vet staff. They're, they're here whenever we need them to help with the technical side of things from the filtration and the chiller apparatuses and whatnot for these systems. And we have an HVAC department who helps tremendously with making sure our, our systems are kept cold because it's it's difficult to have these systems with clean flowing water, let alone have them be at an appropriate temperature for these animals that need cold, cold water. So we have a really amazing team here at the zoo from all aspects of care and all aspects of the technical side of things. And yeah, we're, we're insanely grateful that we, we have all these pieces that fall into place so we can help the Missouri Department of Conservation and U.S. Fish and Wildlife with the, the goal of making sure that this species does not go extinct. Number 10,000! So this is where our hellbender areas begin. This is our hellbender center. We have three large labs uh, down here in one smaller room and we have three stream systems, two of which are located outside, but the bulk of the work that we do is based out of these, these labs down here. It's, it's pretty loud, as you can, you can tell, and that's primarily because in order to, to keep this water clean and cool and heavily oxygenated, it takes a lot of equipment, lots of pumps, lots of, lots of gadgets and gizmos. We do quite a bit here to, to make sure that the hellbenders are getting appropriate conditions. Are you like Willy Wonka for hellbenders? <laughs> uh, why that yes. just came to me. <laughs> yes, I, I that is that is correct. Uh, and I'm sure my 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 hellbender keepers are gonna have a great time with that later. So <laughs> All right. Well, Let's as, see it. as we step in step in here, you can go ahead and disinfect your shoes. Oh, on you this have bed. to there's like a little pan yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So you... this is this is a disinfectant to make sure there's no uh, potential pathogens that, that get moved into this room so that way if somebody stepped in a puddle or something outside they're they're not inadvertently bringing something in here so just okay. do a quick so one just... two on this when we come in all right push my shoes okay oh and it's much cooler in here this is this is patty <laughs> patty is one of our hellbender keepers here at the zoo and like i mentioned we we have a dedicated team of four keepers who work tirelessly to make sure our, our hellbenders are getting the best possible care and who coordinate with MDC on releases and, and, and egg acquisitions and whatnot. So they are the, the front lines of this program and without them, none of this would be possible. So thank you for saving hellbenders, Patty. Oh, thank you. Thank you for caring. <laughs> we do what we can. <laughs> So this room here is our original Hellbender room. At one point in time, the Hellbender program, uh, in, in 2007 when I started, it consisted of this room and one smaller room. And the idea was we would breed Hellbenders in this room and then head start them in, in the smaller room as babies and then move them back into this room to, to get a little more size on them. But the program has, has grown so much over the years that it's now expanded to three rooms and it's, it's essentially quadrupled the amount of space that we started with, which is, which is great. Good problem to have. For, for sure, it's a, it's a great problem to have. 
These here are egg trays, and this is where we put our eggs, whether they're produced here at the zoo or they're being pulled from the field. And you have running water on top ex of them. Exactly. Yeah. So each of these systems has a sump where there's a large water basin, a chiller unit to keep the water nice and cool, and then there's a variety of different pumps that are pumping the water into each of these trays and gently allowing the water to flow from one tray to another, to another, to another, to keep the water nice and clean and, and make sure that we've got a, a constant flow of water on the eggs. But in the wild, hellbender males, they guard their nests, right? So as they're guarding their eggs, keeping crayfish and other big male hellbenders out who might wanna eat the eggs, any, any, any fish that might wanna come and, and eat an egg or two, as they're doing that, they're, they're moving their tail back and forth and back and forth. And adding a little extra flow to these eggs. And we actually replicate that here at the zoo once we have them in these egg trays. Keeper staff will go in multiple times a day and hand turn the eggs gently in order to act as a hellbender father's tail. And it works really well and it's, it's improved our success rate with hatching here also. I love that. You guys really had to think of everything. <laughs> yes. Uh, again, we, we, uh, we've spared no expense and we've we had to learn from scratch, but we've we've done a phenomenal job of learning the ins and outs of hellbender care and propagation that directly leads to their conservation in the wild. So, what age did we say are, are in here? Are these juveniles? So these are, or? Adult, these are adults in here. Okay. These are adults that actually came from the field. Uh, these are from a pretty endangered locality, so it was determined that in order to to save this. This population of hellbenders, we needed to pull some founder animals out of the field. The idea being that we can keep them here, breed them here, and then what we're hoping is someday these animals have done such a phenomenal job of reproducing here at the zoo that those animals themselves can be put back into the wild. And we have done that for, for quite a few animals here where they've been pulled from the field, kept here at the zoo bred, and then they get to be released back in the wild along with their offspring that they produce here once, once they've become pretty represented from a genetic standpoint. But so the animals in this system, we don't really know the ages of them because they did all come from the field, but likely they're more than 15 years old. Hellbenders can realistically live to probably be 30. I wouldn't be surprised if they can live to be much older than that, but we don't really have a whole lot of great data on their age. They're seemingly a very long lived animal that, that grows pretty slowly. Surprising to hear how long their lifespan. Yeah. Yep, and, and a lot of large amphibians can live long lives, um, and reptiles too. You know, very, very different group of animals, of course. But reptiles, we have giant tortoises here at the zoo that are well over a hundred years old. So, yeah. Now, this is the largest salamander in Missouri, correct? It's the largest amphibian period in the United States, the largest amphibian in the New World. There are some other amphibians that rival it in size here in Missouri and the U.S. For example, the three-toed amphiuma that we have here in Missouri, those can get pretty big. And there, there's some different toad species from Central and South America that also can get really large. But generally speaking, these are the largest amphibian that we have here in the United States. And consequently the, the New World. And they're one of the largest amphibians on the planet. The only salamanders that are larger than these in the entire world are the giant salamanders from China and Japan that are very closely related to hellbenders. And in fact, if you were looking at them side by side and didn't know what you were looking at, you would think they were the exact same thing, especially- oh, but they're not 
they're they're not a hellbender, but they are closely related. They're they're both cryptobranchids, but they're distinct enough from a geological time scale that they're they're their own group of animals. But they look they do look very similar. But one major difference between hellbenders and the giant salamanders is is in the name alone. The giant salamanders of Japan and China they get exceptionally large. Hell, hellbenders get large. These get exceptionally large with individuals up to six feet existing. That's freaky. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of freaky. Yeah, they, exactly. It's, it's a salamander that's about the size of a small crocodilian. So they're amazing animals and also not doing well in the wild. So we, we have colleagues and friends in Japan who, who work with the Japanese giant salamander. And we, along with collaborating with organizations here in the United States that work with hellbenders and giving them the background and the, the tips and tricks to reproduce and care for hellbenders so they can be successful like we have. We also work with collaborators in Japan to, to do the same thing. So it's pretty amazing, not only whenever you're making an impact for the conservation of these animals here in our own backyard, but across the world. Since the Hellbender Restoration Program began, the zoo has released close to 11,000 hellbenders back to their native Ozark aquatic ecosystem. And all of those animals started as an egg at the zoo, whether they were bred at the zoo or they were eggs that were collected in the wild by Jeff Brigler, they all got their start at the St. Louis Zoo. In order to track released hellbenders and continue their research, biologists implant each one with a microchip they can later scan while out in the field. This technology allowed them to make wonderful discoveries in the past few years. An Ozark hellbender was found with a clutch of eggs in the fall of 2022. And then just this past fall, an eastern hellbender male followed suit. Once again, we know that these are animals from here at the zoo because of the painstaking care that, that MDC does on these field surveys and knowing that they, they're tagged individuals from here at the zoo. And, and yeah, they're found guarding and, and, and raising eggs. So it's, it's really heavy stuff. It's really important stuff. And I'm confident now that this is going to be something we see all the time. I, I don't think these are two isolated incidences. I don't think they're the first times it's happened. I think it's probably happened with other animals who were just not in, in areas where we could find them or survey them. But it's the first ones that we found. I don't think it's going to be the last ones we find. I think it's going to happen much more often, which is huge. And this it's the whole point of this process. It's, it's the whole point. I love hellbenders and I love how we have been doing such great things for their reclamation. We want to make sure that they can take the lead at some point and do well without us having to breed them and release them, right? If for the rest of my career, we're rearing and, and releasing hellbenders into the wild to ensure that they don't go extinct, so be it. But we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to set them up for success in the wild. And part of that is reproducing on their own once they've been released from here at the zoo. And then furthermore, we want to make sure that those babies are getting to a size that they can survive in the wild and they're breeding in the wild too. There are many things we can do to help our endangered Ozark and Eastern Hellbender. The first thing Justin says we can do is take pride. This weird, ugly animal, it's yours. It lives, especially the, the Ozark subspecies. This is your animal that lives here in your waterways. It's the only place in the world that it lives. You, you might think it's ugly and, and crazy looking. I don't think it's ugly. I think it's absolutely beautiful. But 
you may not have the most uh, fond thoughts on this animal, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's it's yours. It is an animal that belongs to our state and to our Ozark Plateau, and we should be insanely proud of that because it's only here. So taking pride in that, I, I think, is the first thing because that that just leads to a variety of other things, right? Easy kind of like concrete things that people can do. If, if you are floating on any riverway here in Missouri, whether it's a, a river where there might be hellbenders or even a lake or something, don't pollute, don't trash your rivers, right? That's that's not good for anybody. And a lot of that stuff might very well flow into hellbender habitat. Or if you're on hellbender habitat, it's obviously not good for a male hellbender to try to be making a nest and have a, have a beer can flow into the opening of his nesting cavity, right? So just being a good steward of, of nature and being respectful of our state's waterways, that's that's huge. And one thing I really like is in, in a lot of areas where people can go floating recreationally, you, you get these cool trash bags that have this funny little caricature of a hellbender on them, right? So, I mean, the state's done a great job of really kind of getting people to buy into this. But still, like if you're floating with a group of friends and you see a, a buddy throw a beer can in the water, like tear them up for it. Let them know that's not cool, right? Like this, that's, again, these these waterways, they're, they're your waterways and you wouldn't want someone coming to your your house and throwing trash in your yard certainly don't allow it to happen in your streams and rivers either and then other than that if if you are a sport fisherman if you're out fishing in our beautiful waterways here and you were to accidentally catch a hellbender report it immediately to mdc that way the state can do what it needs to do with that report don't go out of your way to look for hellbenders in fact that is it's very illegal and it's detrimental to hellbenders but if you accidentally catch one while you're out fishing, make sure it gets reported. Just a note on hellbenders and, and seeing them in the wild. That's not something that the general public can do at this point. And that is because these animals, again, they're so incredibly endangered. And I get asked by visitors here to the zoo all the time, like, where can I see a hellbender? Well, you shouldn't be looking for them. You shouldn't be trying to find them because you're, you're going to do so much harm for these animals. And again, it's, it's very illegal. My hope is that with time, maybe 15, 20, 25, 30 years from now, our efforts here at the zoo with MDC will be so successful that it won't be uncommon for people out floating on a family float trip or something to see a hellbender incidentally. And again, that goes back to this this animal. It, it belongs to the people of the state. And my hope is that someday it'll be commonplace for, for people to see them. But at this point in time, they're... They're ghosts to an extent, and, and that's the way it should be. And until they've completely rebounded, they need privacy and they need patience. The best place to go look for a hellbender? Well, the St. Louis Zoo, of course. Plan a trip to see these incredible salamanders for yourself and learn more about the zoo's critical work to keep hellbenders part of Missouri's natural history. I want to give a huge, huge thank you again to Justin Eldon, curator of herpetology and aquatics at the St. Louis Zoo and director of the St. Louis Zoo Wild Care Institute, Ron and Karen Gellner Center for Hellbender Conservation. To Christy Childs, St. Louis Zoo Public Relations Manager, and again to MDC's herpetologist, Dr. Jeff Brigler. Learn more about hellbenders at stlzoo.org or at missouriconservation.org. I'm Jill Pritchard with the Missouri Department of Conservation, encouraging you to get your daily dose of the outdoors.
<laughs> I, uh, I, I would certainly hope so. Um, I, I'd, I'd love to talk to one someday. So if anyone out there can figure, figure that out for me and crack the, crack the communication code, I'd, I'd love to have a hell a Rosetta Stone and, and let them know if they already don't know.